Welcome everyone to Fightin' Friday here on Couch Potato Diary, the last Fightin' Friday before we include football once again. Thank you all so much for downloading, thank you all so much for listening. As always, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at primetimefine, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show Diary at yahoo.com. Coming up on the program today, we are going to go back over WWE... SummerSlam as we get ready for WWE SmackDown in Calgary tonight. Uh, And then we got some UFC thoughts as uh, there is a Calgarian in a big spot on this fight card this weekend. So that is what is coming up. Thank you all so much for downloading and for listening today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learn history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, let's begin with SummerSlam. And um, chatting on the, the radio earlier this week was a little bit surprised at some negativity around this. And yes, like this was... A little bit more of a stay busy type of a a situation than I would have necessarily wanted, but I, don't, I even hesitate to say that because like the the blow off of Jay versus Roman is I think a crucial part of the the bloodline storyline, and I, I guess maybe there it would have been nice to have a touch more finality to it because it does feel like now Roman graduates to to something else, but th- this was still a major moment that I think deserved the stage of Ford Field and of SummerSlam. The match was a little bit blah, but I still think with the the whole history of the three years of Jay and Roman leading up to this particular moment and. Um, having some of that, and like I, I, I am in the minority. I did think that there was a, at least a possibility, given how he has performed in some of these moments, that Jay Uso could have gone into SummerSlam and won the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. I, I genuinely thought that there was actually an opportunity there for for Jay Uso to come out and and pick up a win. Um, but now, like. I still think that there are a lot of fun ways that you can kind of spin this whole thing. So I I do think that this is fine, and I am still very invested in the bloodline. Um, and like you you look at the build to this, I thought the build to this was great, and then the the match the match was a little bit long. Uh, the, the match was a little bit drawn out, and we didn't really know what tribal combat meant. So it it, it was a little bit um, it wasn't perfect, I guess. But then you get into the you get into the main event here, or into the, the closing sequences, and it looks like Jay has Roman beat, and Jay ends up um, getting pulled out of the ring by a mystery person. It ends up being Jimmy tonight on SmackDown here in Calgary. They're going to need a hell of an explanation for that. Um, I, I st- like it's this isn't. Oh, look at this. You guys thought I was getting beat up. This is the oldest trick in the book. Think of, like, when Bret Hart joined the NWO after they beat him up. Um, the oldest trick in the book. Stop it. Don't do that. Don't do that. This storyline has been so good, but we are at what feels like a very... This feels like the first time where it could kind of be pushed over the edge to being going from being really intriguing and great long-term storytelling to being too long storytelling and you've lost us. So there needs to be a really good legitimate reason for Jimmy to have turned on Jay. I, and I think you can do that. I think you like you, 
you wanted to be main event, Jay. You wanted to, to do all these things. What about me? And now I'm out here getting my ass kicked for you. Um, and you're not doing anything for me. You you can do something along those lines that I, I think can kind of tell that story. But now you, you have kind of elevated Jay into what is a, a main event character. You have um, elevated Jimmy into what is a main event character. And you have Jay who looked like he had Roman beat. So you can, I still think, go back to this well uh, a little bit later on. Um... And, and still have it be somewhat convincing. And now you have the opportunity to elevate Solo in a way that this feud has elevated, as I just said, Jay and Jimmy, and also has elevated Sami Zayn into feeling like a main event character, although that has certainly cooled down over the, the last little while. Um, but you absolutely have the opportunity here to spin Solo, I think, into that next one. Um, I don't think that turn's going to be right away. I think it's going to be another bit of a drag out. Um, I wonder if there is kind of a, like, Roman... It's funny, you can do another War Games with these guys. But you could have Roman, Solo, and Jimmy against Jay, Sammy, and Kevin. And kind of loop these guys back in. And now Jay and Sammy get their nice little run in the sun. Um, so, but I, I do think at the end of the day that this storyline is going to have spun off, it's going to have created, um, Solo into a, a real legitimate type of a star. It has elevated Jimmy and Jay when it felt like there was no elevating for, of them to do. I do think that Cody's involvement in this elevated him a little bit, and it elevated Sami Zayn. So you have elevated, and Roman, it, the biggest star that wrestling has seen in the last 10 years. So you, you've elevated six performers out of this, and it's not done yet, um... Admittedly, like I said, yes, you are going to have to come into tonight's show and give us one hell of an explanation to keep this thing going on, but that doesn't mean it can't keep going on. It's going to be interesting to see how they get Roman basically to WrestleMania. He's not losing at Survivor Series. He's not losing at the Royal Rumble. I'd be surprised if he defends his title in at anything before WrestleMania. Maybe a Royal Rumble, maybe a Survivor Series just to get, just to keep him rolling. Um, but like overall, I am still very interested in where the Bloodline storyline goes. Over on the Raw side, Rollins and Balor were excellent. This match was fantastic, and Rollins continues to have a fantastic year. I, I think at the midway point, he is in the conversation, or past the midway point now, um, as we reach the three-quarter point, I guess. Um, he is at that point for being Superstar of the Year, or Wrestler of the Year, however you want to put it. He has been excellent, and like he... I think, I genuinely think now more than ever, he feels like a franchise guy. There was a lot of times he felt like a top guy, but I do think that he has elevated himself, again, the word of the day, elevated, he has elevated himself into being a franchise type of a, a performer for the WWE. He's doing all of the media. He is creating viral moments. He, like, just all of these things that they look for above and beyond the pro wrestling stuff. And then he is a phenomenal performer um, and continues to deliver night in, night out. So I, I think, like, he, he just continues to be that. I'm interested now in a Shinsuke Nakamura thing. It would have been great if Shinsuke would have been doing a bit more leading up to it, but I'm I'm excited for a, a Shinsuke-Seth Rollins type of a, a feud here. So I, I'm i interested in, in where that goes and interested to see how a, a few other things kind of spiral off from Monday night. Um, also, it does feel like Gunther's cooling off a little bit. Um, and I don't believe... Like, maybe... Maybe this is the, the big, like, spinoff. Again, we talk about Solo spinning off of a thing. Maybe Chad Gable 
as the he gets the surprise win and that turns him into the um the 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 solo competitor that he thinks he can be and he has talked about that he thinks he can be maybe that's what happens here but I, I think Gunther as the Intercontinental Champion has sort of run its course. I, I would like to see now Gunther advance beyond this. And I, I would like to see Gunther take a, another step forward now and get toward that title picture. Honestly, like, it wouldn't be great for him to lose a feud. Um, but I think spinning him off into something with uh, with Cody would be really interesting as my cat rubs against the uh, the microphone here. But, like, I think that would be an interesting feud. Maybe you save that for, for whatever. Um, I, I still think right now, for me, WrestleMania is um, Cody against Roman and Gunther against Seth. But then, does that mean Damian Priest has kept the briefcase this whole time? So, like, Raw has a few guys right now that feel like they are on the cusp of the, the main event picture. Uh, but it does feel like Gunther has now basically gotten all of the value that he can out of the Intercontinental title, and it's starting to, I don't want to say it's taking away, he's taking away from the IC title, that, that's not it at all, but it just feels like he has elevated this secondary title as much as he can, now it is time for that title to elevate someone else, so I honestly wouldn't hate if Chad Gable got the, the surprise win, and then Gunther spins up into the title picture, but um... Uh, another uh, quick note here, just so happy for EO Sky. I've been saying for a bit that the, the genius of the Sky deserves to be um, women's champion and is kind of the uncrowned best women's wrestler in the world right now. And I, I feel, I just feel so great that she gets this opportunity. And I hope it is a real opportunity. The, um, the, the women's title picture on the SmackDown side is phenomenal. And if they do want to introduce secondary titles um, on both Raw and SmackDown. I, I think they're starting to get to the point where the women's division has it. Tag team titles, not so much. But for a, a secondary title, I think I would rather that than women's tag team titles right now um, in, in the WWE because it feels like they have that opportunity to kind of build things up. So there is your uh, WWE SummerSlam rundown. Uh, it was a busy weekend. Went into it um, earlier this week about uh, a few things going on that meant we couldn't get to this until today. Um, lastly, here on a brief Fightin' Friday, there is a UFC card this weekend. Uh, I believe it's just at the Apex. I should have looked that up before we uh, before we got into this here, and now my laptop's not working. There we go. There we go. Now we're cooking. But um, either way, there is a UFC fight card this weekend, and Calgary Zone Hakeem Dawadu is fighting on it. Yes, it is from the UFC Apex in... Las Vegas, Nevada. Technically not Las Vegas, but you know what I mean. Um, can we stop with UFC Apex shows, for one? They have zero life. It is really just to get people fights in inexpensive ways. Like, it, it just... it take, it. take None of these fights feel important because they're in the Apex, but this is an important fight. Uh, Hakeem Dawadu coming off of a frustrating loss at the hands of Julian Arosa back at UFC 279 in September. So almost a full year layoff. Um, and it was a rough weekend for for Hakeem as he missed weight. So he loses 30% of his purse. And now he goes out and loses the fight. And that was probably the best performance of Julian Arosa's career. But it, it wasn't... 
it was a frustrating night for Hakeem Dawudu. But now he gets a huge name in Cub Swanson, who has a fight in the UFC Hall of Fame, uh, but he himself is coming off of a disappointing loss where he lost by a leg kick to Jonathan Martinez back in October of 2022 in what was his bantamweight debut. So it's a return to featherweight. This is a fight that Hakeem needs to win. He has been knocking on the door of the top 15 for a long time now. He is missing kind of a, I don't want to say an impact, but a, but a, a signature victory. And Talent-wise, I don't know if, excuse me, Cub Swanson is it, but Cub Swanson still carries a big name. That This is, excuse me, second from the top um, for the, the UFC card this weekend. This is a, a big, big name for Hakeem Dawadu to go out and actually cause some damage on. Going up against a, a Cub Swanson who, as I said, like has, has certainly fallen off in the last little bit. Uh, Cub is... Three and six in his last nine. He had a four-fight losing streak in there. Turned it around against Crone Gracie. Um, his last loss on that losing streak actually came in Ottawa. Um, but now has lost two of his last three. And like I said, has lost six of his last nine. And it, it has it feels like it's really falling off for, for Cub Swanson, who is an absolute, and make no mistake about this, an absolute legend at uh, 145 pounds and just in the, the lighter weight classes in general, but the work that he did in the WEC leading into the UFC should be applauded. It's wild. He has never had a Zufa title fight. That's crazy to me. Uh, but either way, a, a true pioneer of the sport in the, the lighter weight classes. And so for Hakeem to have an opportunity to pick up a win over Cub, I think would be interesting. There's a couple of things from the last fight against DeRosa that I, I think Hakeem is going to have to kind of correct a little bit. Um, and I again, I understand it was a, a bit of a, a tougher weekend, but I think that Hakeem can actually look at the Martinez fight against Cub Swanson with uh, a bit of a, okay, let's, let's do that. It was overwhelming with kicks early on, and Cub just didn't seem, and this is not his usual style, Cub didn't usually seem to be able to, to keep Martinez off of him a whole lot. Like, it seemed like at some point Martinez realized, like, okay, I can just kind of walk this guy down. Um... But for for Hakeem in this fight, he can't let Cub turn this into a brawl. And there was a few times, the early on, Hakeem's footwork was great. He had this one, it was just a quick thing. And obviously, obviously didn't change the fight. He lost 30-27, um, and actually 30-26 on my scorecard. But he just, he slides his leg out of the way of a leg kick and then lands one of his own. And there was a couple times where he would like move his head out of the way and then boom, boom, come right back the other way. His, def his defense was exceptional for points. But then he got tagged. Um, he got tied up in a clinch and Arosa lands like three uppercuts in a row and then it rocks him. And from that point on, in that round, Hakeem was very content to just come forward and all right, let's bang. You cannot just let's bang with Cub Swanson. He has a fight in the UFC Hall of Fame for a reason. Um, and that is, that, that, that's something that Hakeem just has to avoid. His jab is a weapon. He has a strong kick game. Not that, like, Martinez's kicks were on another level, and for 135 pounds, too. Good lord. But for Hakeem, um, he's going to have to try to keep Cub at distance and keep this a bit of a technical fight. I do think he's going to be able to, to walk Cub down a little bit, um, if he is able to use... I believe he has a reach advantage. I didn't look at the, the reaches coming into this. Hakeem's reach is 73, and Cub Cub feels smaller. 
70. So he's a, a, not a substantial reach advantage, but a reach advantage nonetheless. Um, he had a tough time with, with Arosa, who the, the reach advantage wasn't much different, but Arosa's 6-1 and Hakeem's 5-8. So uh, for Dalwadu in this, he is, like I said, going to have to use that jab, try to keep Cub off of him a little bit, and really start to, to work his way forward. But he has to keep this technical. He has to continue to use that head movement, continue to use that slick, um, the, the slick feet footwork, feet work, footwork, uh, that he has to, um, kind of keep Cub minding his P's and Q's and not able to turn this into a, a wild brawl. Another thing that was a, a bit of a concern, Hakeem was able to stuff Julian's takedowns early on in that bout, but as it went on, it was a takedown in the second and a takedown in the third that really sealed things for Arosa. Now, I think part of that, again, is Arosa is just bigger because Hakeem's takedown offense has actually been pretty good, but he he had some struggles, like I said, in the back part. And part of that was he got his brains rocked in. Part of it could have been the weight cut as well. And part of it is just Arosa is bigger. Cub Swanson is not going to be that. So I do think that Hakeem's going to be able to keep this fight standing. And he's going to have to be because Cub Swanson is still an extremely talented grappler, um, even at the age of 39 and 41 fights into this MMA career. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, uh, formerly trained at Jackson Wink, now training at the UFC gym in Costa Mesa. So for Hakeem, I think he does have what it takes to come away with a win. Um, I, I think he's going to do that pretty convincingly. And I'm actually, and this is uh, now, I guess, I don't want to transition into it just yet. We'll, we'll get to how I think this fight's going to end here in, um, in a matter of moments. But yeah, I, I do think that Hakeem comes away with a victory in this bout um, coming up this weekend. Also on this card of note in the main event, it is Vicente Luque taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. The winner of this does not get a title shot. I don't think the winner of this even vaults into the top 10, although I haven't looked at the UFC rankings. Maybe they're in there already. But um, Rafael Dos Anjos, he has actually, he's won three of his last four after a very difficult stretch following his loss to Colby Covington back at UFC 225 for the welterweight championship. A, a great rise through the lightweight ranks. After a loss to Khabib, Rafael Dos Anjos just went on an absolute tear on his way to a lightweight championship, defending it once before losing it to Eddie Alvarez. And then, like I said, uh, moves up to welterweight, has a couple of wins, and then struggles mightily. It does seem like he has course corrected a little bit coming into this fight. Like I said, he's won three of his last four. Um, I... I, I I don't think another run to a championship is in there, but this is still, I think, a criminally all-time underrated fighter in Dos Anjos, Dos Anjos. For Vicente Luque, God, it feels like he's been around longer. He's 31 years old, um, but he has been in the UFC since 2015. So the guy's been around for a little bit. Back-to-back -back losses, but against high-level competition. And Jeff Neal and Bilal Muhammad, uh, that ends a four-fight winning streak with victories over Nico Price, Randy Brown, Tyron Woodley, and Michael Kiesa. Um, I, I do think Luke might have a little bit more left in the tank, but if Dos Anjos is kind of back on track, he's a better fighter than Luke is. So this is from a, a today's ticket standpoint, this is probably a stay away for me, but it's an interesting fight. Uh, anyway, and this fight is going to be, I believe this is in the welterweight division, right? Yeah. So it, it's back at welterweight, uh, for those two. Another one that's interesting, Khalil Roundtree taking on Chris Dawkins. um, I believe this is Dawkins' debut 
at 205 pounds after three straight losses to the tippity top of the heavyweight division. Um, Derek Lewis, well, not tippity top, but towards there. Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades, and Jarzinho Rosenstruck all beat him, um, all of them by knockout. So now Dawkins, who at one point kind of seemed like that maybe there's something there, uh, but he's 33 years old now going up against Khalil Roundtree, who I'm like, he's 33. So there, he, he's won three in a row. He is a fighter I'm really interested in. Like a couple of tough losses, uh, back 2019, and then he doesn't fight again until 2021. But since then, he's three and one with, like I said, three straight wins. It feels like he's starting to come on a little bit here. He is a minus 175 favorite, so again, it's probably a stay away. But this is, um, to, to me, it's a, a fun, fun fight. And one that I, I think is, is going to be a nice boost here for Khalil Roundtree to get a win and then maybe a, a bit of stiffer competition. But Chris Dawkins is certainly a live dog at plus 150. So that brings us to today's ticket. And it's both on the uh, Hakeem Dawadu fight. We are going to have uh, Dawadu to win just straight up. It's minus 233. Um, so we're not going to get amazing value on that. And then we're going to go over two and a half rounds. Um, Cub Swanson's a tough motherfucker. And uh, for... For Hakeem, he has not finished an opponent. Uh, I just had it here. He has not finished an opponent since 2019 um, with a, a win at UFC 240 over Yoshinori Hori. Since then, split decision win, split decision win, and then three straight unanimous decisions where he has gone one and two in those bouts. So I, I don't see him putting Cub Swanson away in this fight, but I think it's going to be a convincing three-round performance for Hakeem Dawadu. That is going to do it for the program today. Thank you all so much for downloading. Thank you all so much for listening. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and threads. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. Uh, coming up tomorrow, a bonus episode as we look at the career and the legacy of Jose Bautista with a Bautista legacy look ahead of him getting uh, elevated into the level of excellence. So uh, that is what is coming up. And then starting on uh, next week, Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday, uh, we are going to get into our NFL and fantasy football previews. I am so excited for all of this. So thank you all so much for downloading and listening, and I will talk to you all. Later.